If you'll turn with us and stand, we'll read a few verses of Scripture. Thank you so much for giving in the offering, and we'll be sure and put that in the church bulletin. It'll probably be on rim how much was received, and uh, we thank you for giving uh, for this missionary tonight. I know God will bless us for that. Galatians chapter number 1, we'll preach very briefly tonight, just give you a thought, and then let you go to the house. Galatians chapter number 1, and begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible said, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia, grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that hath called you into the grace of Christ unto another a gospel. What Verse number 7. Which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which ye have received, let him be accursed. Then look at verse number 10. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll help us these next few moments to be an encouragement to the saints of God. Do what needs to be done in this uh, message and during this invitation, and we'll thank you for it. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want you to notice with me in these early verses of this chapter here uh, that when Paul opens up this, this epistle to the, uh, to the churches of Galatia, there's three things here uh, that he mentions in the opening verses. First of all, in verses 1 through 5, he explains his authority. His apostleship had been under attack by those that, uh, was, that was withstanding Christianity. Judaizers were withstanding the apostle Paul. And as Paul began his uh, uh, ministry, there was those that question both his motive and his message. And so in the early verses here, uh, Paul explains his authority. He does that with a personal signature in verse number one. As he said, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And Paul, when he puts his signature to this epistle, he doesn't do it by himself, but he lets those know that his apostleship uh, came by God the Father and the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ. You know, I'm glad God still calls men. Isn't that right? And we know there's no apostles today, but we do know that if a man has got to, if he's a preacher, a true preacher, he's got to have the call of God on his life. And so Paul explains his authority, and it's seen in his personal signature. It's seen in his present supporters. Look at verse number two. He said, and all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. You see, Paul was responsible uh, for winning these souls and bringing these people uh, to Christ. Amen. Uh, Paul was a missionary. He started churches and he planted churches uh, on his missionary journeys. He won those souls uh, and established churches wherever he went. These were his supporters and thank God a preacher cannot preach alone. Amen. He's got to have somebody that will stand with him. Amen. Uh, the church, my friends, not built around the pastor. The church is not built around a personality. It's not built upon a man, but it's built on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Amen. I'm telling you, when I'm dead and gone, if Jesus hadn't come, I pray that this church will carry on, and it will carry on as long as it stands on the right truth and the foundation of the Word of God. And so it's seen. His authority is seen in His present supporters. And then it is seen in verse number 3 in His precious Savior. As He said, Grace be to you in peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Now you know uh, that the Apostle Paul preached to the Gentiles uh, of the mystery of the church uh, and the grace of God. Amen? But he didn't preach his grace as we see in verse number 3. He preached the grace of God uh, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And so it's seen in his precious Savior. It's seen in his perfect salvation in verse 4 who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Can I tell you tonight, it's the will of God that every man, woman, boy, and girl be saved. Amen. I'll tell you tonight, nobody becomes a Calvinist by reading the Bible. Can I get a witness right there? You'll have to read after other Calvinists in order to become one of them. But if you read the Bible, you're going to believe in a whosoever will gospel that Jesus died for all men. And it's the will of God for all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Amen. And Paul is explaining his authority and he presents the right message here. And then it's seen in his praise to the sovereign. Look at verse number five. He said, to whom? be glory forever and ever amen talking about God the Father I'll tell you a true man of God will never bring glory to himself but he'll always bring glory to God he'll always lift up the Lord Jesus Christ he'll always lift up the Father amen but he'll not magnify himself amen so Paul explains his authority in these first five verses and then when we get to verse number six and verse number seven I want you to see that Paul exposes his anxiety. He's got a burden on his heart in verse number six and seven. And you say, preacher, what is that burden? Look at it in verse number six. He said, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Amen. You see the burden on Paul's heart is that some had already changed their position. You know, we're living in a time when a lot of people are changing their position. They say, well, I want once believed it this way, but now I believed it that way. And there are those tonight that we thought they always stood true. But just like flipping a switch, all of a sudden they do a 180 and they go in another direction. Amen? Well, Paul explains his authority and then he expresses his anxiety. He is under a burden that those that were in those churches at Galatia, that they were so soon removed. Amen? Hear me tonight, young people. Know what you believe and why you believe it. Have a chapter and verse for everything you believe. Write it down. Get a book. Get you a notebook and put that right down why you believe what you believe and find it from the Word of God. And if you can't find it, you go to your pastor, you go to your preacher's wife, you go to your Sunday school teacher, you go to some godly saint, and you ask them to help you find it in the Word of God. And then you look at it, you read it, you study it, you pray over it, you get it in your heart. Because I promise you there's coming a day when somebody's going to come and they're going to challenge you for on what you 
you believe. But if you ever get it settled in your soul, thank God, I'm telling you, it won't matter if a thousand people around you change. You'll stick with it, amen, because you know what you believe and why you believe it, amen. I'm telling you, there are just some things, they're not open for debate. There are just some things tonight, we're not gonna be moved. We're not gonna budge. We're not gonna back up. We're not gonna roll over. We're not gonna change our position. Thank God we're gonna stand where we've always stood when we first started standing. Hallelujah tonight. And so Paul, he expresses his anxiety. He explains his authority. But when you get to verse number eight and nine, he exposes his adversaries. Amen. He said, but though we or an angel from heaven Preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you. Let him be accursed. And then Paul repeats it again. If any man preach any other gospel in verse 9 unto you than that which you have received, let him be accursed. Amen. I'm telling you tonight, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal that the Lord knoweth them that are his. Amen. And a man of God will preach the right message. Amen. He'll preach the Bible. And tonight, you and I, have a responsibility. We ought to expose our adversaries. Amen. Our adversaries, you say, who is the enemy tonight? The enemy is the devil. And the enemy is any occult that would preach any other gospel that would add to or would take away from the work of Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, tonight, that's your Jehovah Witness. That's your Church of Christ. That's your Mormons. That's your Catholics. Uh, the list just goes on and on. Uh, friend, they're not denominations. Uh, we may differ on some folks uh, uh, with denomination because there may be some doctrinal issues that we don't see eye to eye. Now, I'm telling you, when people start changing the gospel and when they start changing the message, uh, uh, friend, they're not a denomination. They're in a cult. Amen. And we are to avoid them. We are to have no fellowship with them. We are to mark them, the Bible says. We're not even to bid them Godspeed. Amen. In other words, you're not even to look at one of them and say, have a good day. Now, I didn't say that. That's what the Bible says. You say, preacher, I'm just trying to be cordial. That's not what the book says. The Bible says to move on. And when we get to verse number 10, Paul, I want you to notice verse number 10, our text verse tonight. Because Paul asked two questions and makes a statement in this verse. Look at it. He said, for, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? Then he makes this statement, for if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. You know, when I look at verse number 10, here's what I wrote down. In that first question, Paul simply says, who am I trying to persuade? The word persuade means to win. And Paul said, for do I now persuade or win men or God? And while Paul had a burden to win men, he was never going to win a man at the expense of compromising the truth of the gospel. Amen. That's what Paul is saying here. He says, who am I trying to persuade? Then he asked another question. Who am I trying to please? Do I seek to please men? And then what am I trying to prove? For if I yet please 
foolish men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Now, when you get to this verse tonight, this is what I wrote above that verse, and it's what I want to preach on for just a few minutes tonight. I want to preach on the crossroad of of Christianity. The crossroad of Christianity. Because if you circle verse number 10, that's exactly where we're at. We're standing at a crossroad. This is the crossroad of Christianity. My friend, this crossroad tonight, it explains and it determines our motive as to everything that we are and everything that we believe and as to why we do what we do. You and I must ask ourselves this question tonight. Uh, Do we seek to please men or do we seek to please God? And if we seek to please men, then we cannot be the servant of Christ. I want to stop and just say this. When Paul said that in verse number 10, for if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Uh, He is not talking about dropping his doctrine. Amen. A lot of people say today, well, I don't care. I'm not out to please men. I'm just out to please God. Well, if you strive to please God, guess what? You'll have the right doctrine. Amen. Uh, Because Paul strove to please God uh, and he had the right doctrine. Amen. He's not talking about dropping his doctrine. And he's not talking about dropping his standards uh, and dropping his convictions. Amen. Have you ever noticed when people start backing up on their convictions uh, and they start backing up on their standards, uh, when they start dropping things in their life, uh, they'll always come along and say, well, uh, you know, I'm just not interested in pleasing me. I'm just trying to please God. Hmm. Well, let me tell you something about the Lord tonight. You'll never be too holy for God. You'll never have too many convictions that separate you from this world. We can't separate enough from this world. I'm not talking about isolation. I'm talking about separation. Amen. I'm talking about tonight we're to come out from among this world and be a separate, saith the Lord. Amen. And touch not the unclean thing. Anything that's unclean, God said, touch not the unclean thing. And I'll be a father unto you and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. In chapter 7, verse number 1, he said, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That's sacred. Corinthians 7 and verse number 1. He said in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse number 19. He said, what know you not that your body, isn't that interesting? They talked about the body first. Uh, what know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God and you're not your own for you've been bought with a price. Amen. Then he said, therefore glorify God in two places. But first uh, he said, glorify God in your body and then in your spirit which are God's. Amen. Which is God. You see, tonight, when we talk about separation, it's got to start with the body. Well, it's quiet in here tonight. Hope y'all ain't in a hurry to go play volleyball right now. Or go take a smoke. I don't know what it is. I'm telling you tonight, listen, I'm talking about separation. Coming out from among them and be as separate, not saith the preacher, not saith the church, but saith the Lord. Amen. I'm telling you, Romans 12 and verse 1 is still in the book. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. He's talking about the body. Amen. That you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, except unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then verse 2 says, And be not conformed to this world. Where does the, what does the world want to conform? They want to conform 
transform this body, amen, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I'm talking about coming out from this world. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 18, he said, as he with his call, as he which hath called you is holy, he said, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Amen. I'm telling you tonight, we have a responsibility as the people of God uh, to live a separated and to live a dedicated and to live a consecrated life. I didn't come to preach on that tonight, uh, but I'm not sorry that I did. Amen. I'm telling you tonight, we can't live clean enough. We can't live holy enough. Uh, and you can live holy and have the right attitude. Isn't that right? Now, liberal people who always want to drop their standards and convictions, want to act like anybody who hasn't come to where they're at and dropped and hasn't lowered their standards. They want to act like we're Pharisees. But can I tell you, I've been saved for over 30 years, and I know that's not a long time. Some people, there's people in this building that saved over 50 years, and some even over 60 years. I want to tell you, I think they'll agree with this statement. I want to say tonight, there are some Pharisees, but can I tell you, any time I've ever been engaged in some controversy about dress standards and about living right and living clean, do you know where it's always come from? It's never came from a bunch of Pharisees that went to church, amen? It's always come from some carnal people that went to church that didn't want to do right uh, and so therefore they want to stir the devil up. Uh, I'm telling you not even lost people uh, care how we dress uh, and how we live and how we act. Uh, I'm telling you people uh, that go to church that don't want to, they want to be half in and half out and they don't want to sell out and they don't want to surrender. They're always the one raising the big question mark. They're always the one that's got the question. Uh, I'm telling you, listen, I'm not going to waste my time uh, uh, trying to answer a question of somebody that don't want to do right anyway. Amen. I tell you, I have found the way and I do know that living right pays. Uh, I do know that coming out from this world and being separate is the right way to go. I know that God honors it. I know that God blesses it. I'm not everything I ought to be. I want to be closer to Him tomorrow than I am today. But I'm telling you, it pays uh, to live a surrendered and a separate life tonight. Amen. Amen. Say, Brother Gravely, do you have everything right? Well, you know I don't. But I'm trying. And I want to. And if there's something the Holy Spirit puts his finger on, I want to get it out of my life. I didn't mean to preach all that, but God knows we need it, don't we? You don't, we don't hear enough on living right, do we? Living clean, living separated. And Paul here, he's, he's talking about the crossroads of Christianity. Standing at, young people, you hear me tonight. You're standing at the crossroad of Christianity. You have to make a decision in life. Are you going to please men? Or are you going to please God? Who are you living for tonight? Paul says it was such confident and we know that in his life and his ministry that we know that Paul, he poses the questions in verse 10 but we know that Paul, when he wrote verse number 10 it's very clear uh, that he understood the direction in which he was already going and hear me tonight church member, it ain't enough to be a member of a good church it's not enough to just carry a a King James Bible, you've got to know the direction that you're going tonight and it can't be 
about your pastor. And it can't be about what the preacher believes. It can't be about being in a good church. You've got to make your mind up that if everybody you know goes in another direction, if everybody you know drops their doctrine and drops their standards and drops their convictions and drops their principles, you've got to make your mind up that this is the direction I made my mind up a long time ago in the direction that I'm going. Hallelujah. Is that right tonight? I'm going to tell you, I've seen a lot of moms and dads change when their children got older. Things they used to say was wrong, all of a sudden they don't see anything wrong with it no more. I've seen them, and you know who they get mad at? The preacher that keeps on preaching what he always preached when their kids was little. And they get mad at the church. And they go somewhere else where they sing the same. They, they, they got the shouting. They got the singing. But they just don't quite got it so tight. Amen. I'm going to tell you, you lose your kids if you do that. You'll never keep your children lower in the standard. I've said it before and I'll say it again and I'm not, I'm not a role model. Me and my wife doesn't claim to be any of that tonight. But we remember when our girls were teenagers setting them down in the living room and just saying to them, now listen, you're in the battle of your life. 16 and 17 years old. And you just got a few more years and, and you're going to be grown and you're going to be, your life's going to change for you. And here's what when you mean your mother's prayed about. And here's what we want to do. We want to look at every area of our life. And we want to look at every area of your life. And, and here's what we want to do. We don't want to loosen up anything. We don't want to let go of anything. We don't, we, don't want to, we don't want to coast from here on out for your own benefit. And even for ours, here's what we're going to do. We're going to tighten everything up we can. Because you're in the battle of your life. I'm going to tell you today, I'm not boasting. I hope you know that. I'm not saying that that I had it all together, that we had it all together. But I am telling you this, we were never sorry that we did that. Don't back up tonight. I tell you, God must know that needs to be said. It's not even really in the sermon tonight. But the crossroads of Christianity, you have to know before you ever bring children in this world the direction you're going. You have to make your mind up. I remember when we got married, we got on an altar and we made a commitment to God and to each other that even before our children was born, that no matter what direction in life that they went, no matter what decisions in life they made when they got older, that we were not going to change. By the grace of God, we say that. We were not going to budge. We're not going to back up. We're not going to change where, where we stand. We studied it as teenagers. It was preached to us by great men of God uh, that instilled it in our life uh, and we've seen it in the scriptures uh, and we said by the grace of God uh, this is the direction we're going if we lose friends, uh, if we lose family, if we lose church members, uh, we're just going to keep plodding on, we're just going to keep carrying on uh, and can I tell you tonight uh, I've never been sorry one day in my life uh, this book is right from cover to cover, every principle every conviction, every Every standard, every doctrine, it is right and it will hold. Hallelujah. Stand firm. Stay, stay the course. Stand fast. I, I won't finish the sermon tonight. But Paul talks about the crossroad of Christianity. Who are you going to please? I promise you tonight if you're out to please men, 
you'll go the wrong direction. <coughs> Paul, in this remaining verses tonight, I'll give you these thoughts and be done. He could say in verse 10 with, verse, with confidence, for if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Paul was the servant of Christ and he could pin them words with confidence because in verse number 10 and verse number, or verse number 11 and verse number 12, his message was right. He said, but I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached unto me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. We know that the gospel of the grace of God was given to Paul to light the gospel to the Gentiles and to preach to them the unsearchable riches of Christ. And Paul preached the mystery of the church and God used the apostle Paul. What I'm saying tonight is that his message was right. It was not a message from man. I'm telling you tonight, if what I'm preaching, if it was man-made religion, if it was man-made tradition. I'd throw every bit of it in the trash can and I'd go do whatever I wanted to do tonight uh, but I know it's right uh, and it's in my heart and in my soul uh, and it pays to live for God. Uh, it's the right message tonight. Hey young people, you listen to me. Uh, living clean, living pure, living holy, having convictions, having standards uh, and living by the doctrines of the word of God. Uh, it's not what preacher says. Uh, it's not what the Sunday school teacher said but it's what the Bible says. You know, tonight it doesn't even matter what I believe. It's not for me to get up here and say, well, I believe this right. No, it's what the Bible says. And I believe what the Bible says tonight. Brother, if there's a chapter and there's a verse, if there's a principle, if there's a precept, you and I ought to cling to it and stand on it. And if the world is on fire and Paul could say it with confidence, hey, you're going to be at the crossroads of Christianity one day and you're going to have to make your mind up if you haven't already. Are you going to do these things to please man? Are you going to do these things to please God? And you've got to ask yourself, is the message right? You know, there's been a lot of controversy and I'm careful. I don't bring things into the pulpit here at the church because outside things don't matter to me. And I don't engage and I don't debate in those things. But there's been so much controversy about music over the last little while. And I don't know why Christians want to argue about music. If it sounds like the world, we got no business singing it. Amen. We know rock music and country music and rap music and on and on. We know all that's a mess tonight and it belongs to the world. But tonight it's, it's just pure common sense. Ephesians 5 and verse 19 gives us what we need. Speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Brother, I'm telling you tonight the right kind of music is music that honors and glorifies God and doesn't sound like the world tonight. Amen. I'm telling you, when you came in here and heard sin, it didn't sound like something that come out of a bar. It didn't sound something like something that come out of a rock concert. Hey, wasn't no praise team or nobody up here rapping. The message was right. The melody is right. Amen. And I'm not going to waste my days uh, uh, trying to figure out. And can I stop and say this? Uh, I don't need to, uh, to take a song and make it sound. I don't need to juice it up or spice it up or beat it up. Amen. Let amazing grace be sung like amazing 
and grace. Uh, let victory in Jesus be sung like victory in Jesus. Uh, it don't need anything from the world attached to it, amen. I'm telling you, it's worked all these years. Uh, it'll keep on working, amen. And we don't need to try to take music and make it appeal to the flesh tonight. Talking about the message is right, isn't it? And while others may debate contemporary music or not, there is no debate if you believe the Bible. There's no room for contemporary music in Ephesians 5 and verse 18 and 19. Is that right tonight? There's no room for it there. So you don't have to even debate that. Can I say tonight his message was right. His ministry was real. When you get to verse number 12, you know what 13, what Paul does? Paul said, for ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. He taught he had a real past, amen. But he also had a real part in verse 14 and profited in the Jews' religion above many of my equals in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my father. That's his past. But look at verse 15. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood you see here that Paul had a real pardon and Paul had a real purpose and that purpose was to preach uh, the gospel amen I'm talking about Paul had a message that was right and he had a ministry that was real you know why we don't need a fog machine tonight why we don't need a blacked out ceiling why we don't have to have Bozo the Clown show up on Sunday night amen you know why we don't have to have all those things? Because the ministry's real. I'm going to tell you tonight, singing, praying, testifying, preaching, soul winning, going out, giving out the gospel, giving out tracts, supporting missionaries, that's real tonight, isn't it? Preaching from that King James Bible is real tonight. God shows up. I've seen God show up in choir practice. I've seen choir practice get plumb out of hand and people go to shouting and praising God. You say that's emotionalism. No, it's not. It just got real. We've had deacons meetings more than one. Many times uh, the presence of God would just show up in the middle of a deacons meeting and it would get so real and God would move. And I'm telling you just the presence of God there uh, talking about the goodness of God and the finances. You say, what is that? You couldn't make that happen. I'm going to tell you what it is. It's the presence of God. And when you obey God and when you do what's right, when a church is pleasing God, we don't have to pump and prime. Amen? I don't want to go to church uh, where they sing for an hour and we tell a bunch of sad stories uh, and we try to get a big emotional stir and you got to make 25 trips down to the altar. I'm telling you, friend, I just want it to be real. Amen? We may come in here on a Wednesday night and we may have about a 45-minute service uh, and we may have a couple songs and a sermon and listen, there may not be a whole lot going on, but we preach the Bible and the Bible will help you and we go to the house and we come back and we do it all over again. Amen. Sometimes it's real good and sometimes it's real dead. But either way, thank God it's real. Amen. I'm telling you, when he's real and when he shows up, you don't got to work anything up. Amen. I mean, this, this evening folks were testifying and it got good. And thank God for that. It's got good during the singing. Amen. I'm simply saying his ministry was real. His message was right. And then his mission was reported. Look what he said in verse 17. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia. No doubt that's where God gave him the message. 
and returned the revelation and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. And other of the apostles saw I none save James, the Lord's brother. And listen, verse 20, now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God, I lie not. He had a, his mission was reported. He could tell you where he had been. He could tell you what he had done. There was accountability. Uh, there was accomplishment here. There was assistance here. He mentioned Peter and he mentioned James. Uh, I want to say tonight, uh, if you serve God, if you live for God, there's got to be some accountability in this walk of life. You know, we live in a day when people act like testimony don't matter. They say things like, well, you know, I, you know, I, I, I just live, on, you know, we're, we're living in the grace day. The Bible said they would take the grace of God and turn it into lasciviousness. They would use it as a license to sin and do anything they want to. We're seeing that in these last days. I'm going to tell you what the grace of God does. The grace of God brings you out of a pit, friend. And the grace of God sets your feet on a rock. That's what David said. And the grace of God establishes your goings. And the grace of God doesn't put a honky-tonk song, doesn't put a worldly song, doesn't put a contemporary song, but it puts a new song in your mouth that'll sing praise even unto our God. I tell you, the grace of God will cause many to see it in fear and trust in the Lord. They'll look at you and know there's something new about you. They'll know God changed your hitching post. They'll know there's a report that'll go out of a testimony that's real and a testimony that's right. I'm talking about if you're saved, you've got a good report tonight. Amen. I want to say in closing, his accomplishment, we see here, his mission was reported. And then finally, we find that his motive was real. He said in verse number 23, but they that hurt only that he persecuted us in times past now preacheth, preacheth the faith which was once he destroyed. And notice verse 24, and they glorified God in me. You know what Paul standing at the crossroad of Christianity, he said this, you got to make your mind up in life. If you're going to be a servant of Christ, you can't worry about pleasing men. That means, young people, when somebody comes along and says, well, how long are you going to dress right? How long are you going to go down there to that old-fashioned church? What are you going to do when you get older? Got to go to that Christian school down there. Missing out on everything. Well, when are you going to change? Somebody will say that to you one day. That's a crossroad of Christianity. The peer pressure is not just on the young people. It's on the adults today. It's on the job. It's down at the grocery store. Everywhere you go, there's peer pressure in there. And I am sad to make the statement I'm about to make, but it's a true statement. It's even in our churches today. You know why is this? When people change, they don't get out of church, but they change. Here's how they do it. One thing at a time. They don't just go, they don't just exploit everything. But they'll do one thing at a time. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, come here. Come here, David Henry. Come here, Grayson. All of a sudden, that lady, I'll be the lady, okay? 
That lady that dressed godly, she used to take pictures like this. But when she changes, she takes pictures like this. But don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. They'll start changing everything. All them standards and boys, they look pretty sharp today, don't they? These are the two meanest boys in the church. You know that, don't you? <laughs> and they're not even debating it. Look at them. I'm just kidding. But uh, all of a sudden, when they start letting them boys change, their pictures change. I know that don't go over good with a lot of people, but it's true. Start changing a little bit of time. And then they start changing the music. They start changing. And then, but you know, that, that bothers me. But I tell you what bothers me worse than that. If you're going to change, that's when you and God, you'll face it at the judgment seat. You know, as a pastor, I have a responsibility if we're having a function, if we're having a fellowship, or we're having something going with this church, I have to answer at the judgment seat. So there, there's a standard. What you do through the week, that's between you and God. I don't, I don't even worry about that. I'm not judging you. You'll answer to God at the judgment seat just like I'll answer at the judgment seat. I don't go around investigating people. I don't have time for that. But I'll tell you what bothers me when people change is not the fact just that they change, but they can't change quietly and go their way. What they got to do, Brother Chris? They got to talk about how they were abused and misused in church. They got to talk about how some preacher, some leather lung old time preacher, got up and just beat them over the head with a Bible. And some Sunday school teacher cuffed them and brainwashed them into having some standards in their life and convictions. They become a victim. You know why? Because they're wrong. It's that simple. And you know what the rest of us do? We don't say anything. We just carry on. You remember what I said tonight. Because I'm telling you, it could be your friend, it could be your family member one day that changed. And they never do it quietly, Brother Mike. They've got to always try to pull somebody with them, you know. And we just carry on, don't we? That's a crossroad, Christianity. Somewheres, if, and I think most people I'm preaching to, you've probably already done this, but there are some of you tonight, maybe you're a young Christian, maybe you've never been, but there's somewheres in your life, you stand at this crossroad, and God deals with you in a service like tonight, and you just have to make your mind up the direction you're going to go. And I pray, young people, I pray that you'll go the right direction. I pray, Leah, I pray, you're what, 18? 18 years old. You're how old? 19. You're 19. 18. You're 19. You're 19. You're 19. I pray that every one of y'all will stay this way. You're 19, aren't you? 18. I pray you'll stay this way. I pray you'll never change. That you won't marry some old boy out there, some girl. To, you know, when you get a little older, you ought to look around each other, you know. Not at your age. Y'all think these better looking boys out there than here? 
I've seen them, I'm telling you, they're not. You think there's better looking girls? Hey, I'm not matchmaking them. I'm just telling you, don't, don't go looking all around out there. Hey, don't look all out there. Some of y'all need to marry and stay here. Amen. Married in the will of God, and don't you parents get nervous. I'm just trying to help you out a little bit. You don't know what they're going to bring home. But tonight, don't ever change. Madeline, don't you ever change. You stay with God. Don't ever change. Don't you ever change. You made a good decision. I'm so proud of you. You made a good decision. I'm going to tell you, these young adults have a lot of pressure, don't they, in this hour. And it makes me, proud's not a good word, but it makes me, it makes, it thrills us when you see a young person do the right thing and get victory. Amen. Hey, I, moms and dads, make sure that you have the, that you do the right thing. Don't change. Don't change. Let's stand tonight, Father. Lord, help us tonight. God, help these parents and help these children. Help these young people tonight, Lord. Help these moms and dads. I know, Lord, it was, it was tough when we were raising kids, and I cannot even imagine what these parents Maybe even some of the fears and the burdens that they carry tonight. I have no idea, but I pray for every one of them, God. Oh, Lord, help them tonight. Help our homes. Help us to never back up. Help anybody that may be at a crossroad tonight. Help them just to go in the right direction. And, Lord, we'll thank you tonight. If you need to come while he sings, you come on.